0: Hello, and welcome to the Podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message was given by Larry Bold. Well, good morning. Find your sermon outline there in your bulletin. And let's open our Bibles to the book of Mark today. Chapter 1, you'll find that on page 1553 in that book rack Bible in front of you. Trusting that everybody has a Bible open. If you need to find where that is, okay, to look for the table of contents or just ask the person next to you to give you a little help. We're in a series on Lent. We're calling it Renew, Turning Lenten Practices into Lifelong Pursuits. Lent is a season that starts on Ash Wednesday, which was about 10 days ago, and it goes for 40 days, and it culminates on Easter. And during the period of Lent, many churches and many Christ followers see it as a time to prepare our hearts To ask the Lord, what needs change in our lives? To do some self-examination. To come to the Lord in things like repentance and forgiving others, being generous. Stopping some things in order to do some other important things. And last week we started with a theme of giving up a food craving. And maybe some of you for a period of 40 days are going to give up that thing that you always go after in the refrigerator. As a reminder that it's important to go after other things in your life. And why not turn that practice into a lifelong pursuit of fasting with prayer? That's what we talked about last week. Now this week we're going to look at what it means to give up a media obsession. And as I do that I'm hearing music somewhere. A media obsession, a lot of us have stuff in our lives that are just so there, and we we think, you know, like last week, the younger generation, yeah, food, I get it, no problem. Today, media obsession, you know, like we don't know what we're going to do with that, because we are so tied in to media, so we're going to talk about today the, the spiritual disciplines, not just giving up a media obsession for a period of 40 days. And that's a good thing, because every time you do that, you'll be remembering the importance of doing other important things. But why not, uh, why not experience a lifelong pursuit of the spiritual disciplines of solitude, silence, and scripture reading? That's worth our time. Now what we're doing during these 40 days is we're raising the vision for prayer and scripture reading. And to help us practically do that, out in our lobby area, in the upper lobby, next to our prayer room, we have now two prayer walls. Have you seen that? We've got one side which is for prayer requests and the other side which is for praises or answers to prayer. And we ask that you take a little slip of paper that's hanging there on the ring. You can bring it into church, you can think about it, or you can write it out right there wherever And then go back, and if it's a request, stick it in the wall. If it's a praise, stick it in that wall. There's tons of little spaces out there. There's tons of room, and we're going to keep having room to do that. And then to encourage you even more, why not go by the prayer side and take one of those out and read it and say, Lord, I'm going to join this person in prayer. We're going to pray for each other, and we're going to pray for the needs in our lives. Now, if you've got something super confidential, you know, just be discreet in how you put it on that piece of paper. But give other people the opportunity to join you and pray for the needs in your life. So that's one thing that we're doing over the period of Lent, and we're going to continue that ongoing. Then there's also another way that you can engage with Scripture. On our website, there are Lenten readings, daily readings and reflections with questions that you can do. This is the first week and I wonder how many of you engage with that. Next week is week number two and you can follow along the sermon, what we've been learning today by going to specific readings and reflecting on some questions. Okay, good enough? So that's what we're doing in a very practical sense. So here we are today, we're looking at this theme. Now last week, if we were focusing on learning to hunger for God, today our focus is on learning to listen for God. We want to learn what it means to listen for God. And and we're going to take a little time at the end of the message today just to be silent, just to show you how hard it is for some of us to do that. We're going to take a few minutes at the end of the message just to put everything away and not feel like we got to go somewhere. We're just going to close up. We're going to open our hearts and we're going to just let God speak to us, reflect on what we've heard, be quiet before the Lord, together sit before the Lord, and, and just see what God wants to do in our hearts individually and collectively. And we're going to do that for just a couple minutes. And some of you are going to get so antsy, you're not going to know what to do. Just a little heads up where we're going today, all right? It's a very simple message today, very simple outline. There are three disciplines that we need to incorporate into our schedules that should be a lifelong pursuit for every one of us. All of these disciplines come from a person who is focused on a Christ-centered, surrendered life. And here's the first one if you're taking notes. It's really simple. We need time alone. Say that with me. We need time alone. Here we are in Mark one thirty-five. We learn from this little text that Jesus took time to be alone. Now every Jewish person living in the life and times of Jesus Christ knew that there were three specific times during the day to pray. It was early in the morning, first light, then it was at the ninth hour, that's around 3 p.m., and then at sundown at the end of the day, three specific times to pray. And if you were in walking distance of the temple or the synagogue, you would often go there to do that. Here we find Jesus in Mark one thirty one, where it says, and if you have the NIV, you can read right along with me out loud. Here we go. Let's go. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, a couple of observations quickly if you're, if you're looking at this. First of all, Jesus did this very early in the morning. Secondly, he leaves the place where he is in order to go to a different place, a solitary place. you know, the word "solitary" is not a friendly word to most of us. We think of solitary confinement. It's like a punishment. Note: Jesus went to a lonely place, a solitary place. Every one of us need to find that place. Where is your place? In, in Matthew 6, remember last week we looked at don't do your ri- acts of righteousness to be noticed by men. And the three acts of righteousness, remember, are almsgiving, giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. And when it comes to prayer there in Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said when you pray, you need to go into your room, close the door, and meet with your heavenly Father in secret. The idea is, is find your place. Do you have a place? Let me just put this into a principle. It's there in your outline. Creating separation from people and routine is important for drawing closer to God. Do you believe that this morning? I mean, we live in a turbulent world with movement and people around us. We don't know how to separate from people and routine long enough to focus on our relationship with Jesus. This is a problem for many of us and maybe most of us. And in fact, there. If, if we were to be really honest with ourselves, many of us would admit that this week we have spent zero time in contemplation with Scripture and focus in a solitary place where we're alone with God. Most of us are waiting for Sunday to do what we need to be doing every single day of our lives. Jesus got up while it was early and he went to a solitary place where he could pray. Listen, if Jesus, the son of the living God, needed to get out to a solitary place, how about you and me? In fact, it's interesting, even as we read that text, if you know the text, you know that in a few verses later, Simon and his companions, look at verse 37, went to look for him, and when they found him, they, excla- they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. That kind of just encourages me, because even Jesus had competition with getting alone and staying alone for a period of time. The flow was always moving toward him. And have you found in your own life that the flow sort of moves that way with you too? That it's not easy to kind of break away, not easy to get that alone spot? You know, some of you are parents of of little children and you just crave for something like this. You know, you got little kids all around you all the time. Some of us come from busy lifestyles where we we lead companies or we've got just demand, 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 demand. and, And it's just crazy. And sometimes my schedule gets crazy too. I was teasing with a fellow pastor this last week. I was saying, yeah, you remember sometimes when you come down with the flu and you say, oh, thank you, Lord, for the flu. Now I can just be alone and quiet, you know. I mean, that's, that's pretty bad in your life when you're hoping for a disease to slow you down, you know. But that's the way it is with some of us. Now let me just kind of walk through a couple things here because I think there's three ways that we can find ourselves alone Sometimes this kind of separation comes as a result of circumstances that we've not chosen for ourselves, and I haven't put, in them, I haven't put them down in, in your notes, but I've just made some notes of my own. Sometimes we come to places of, of feeling separation, a, certain, uh, a, a sense of isolation, things like a change of residence. You know, maybe we move out of the area, and, and all of a sudden we find ourselves, we're, we're new in an area, we're not networked, or maybe we've had a job transfer. Suddenly we're around people that don't know us, and the connections aren't there maybe you've been through a relational problem maybe there's been a divorce and suddenly there's a new sense of aloneness in your life maybe you're an empty nester your kids have moved out they're off to college and married and you're kind of going yay but then you're also going this is weird it feels strange there's a sense of being alone then there's the 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 most graphic of all the death of a loved one there's this foreboding sense of isolation listen in all of these kinds of things as negative as they may be or as different or as you know uh, uh, they break the continuity of our lives we can look at all of those circumstances as ways that we can leverage time with god we can leverage these times to, be, uh, to have time with God. Sometimes our s- a sense of isolation or separation moves us into loneliness, watch this, where rather God would have us be in a place of aloneness where we discover his presence. So leverage the loneliness to make it a time of aloneness and there's a big difference. Being alone is way different from being lonely. But when you have the Spirit of God and you're focused on the Spirit of God, he will birth in us, even in times of aloneness, a sense of his presence. Sometimes this kind of separation happens as a result of God's specific design for us. As I was going through Scripture thinking about this message, I was thinking about the life of Joseph. Remember? Genesis 37, he's suddenly at odds with his brothers. And before he knows it, he's sold into slavery, taken into Egypt, How many years in prison did he spend down there? And then uh, what, what might have been the biggest alone time ever, God was using this to prepare Joseph to be Pharaoh's number two so that he could save Israel and from his people from starvation and famine. God was preparing Joseph for something, so he was taking him out and isolating and bringing him to a place of aloneness for a purpose Think of Moses, generations later, Exodus chapter 1. You know, he's out in the the land of Midian for 40 years. God preparing Moses to be the deliverer of his people 40 years. He's out there preparing. But it's not just with Moses. Think of Job. Think of Ruth. Think of David. Think of Jesus. Think of Paul. Every single Uh, person that God prepares for ministry is sometimes found and often at the beginning of those ministries in times of aloneness so if you're in a time of aloneness today you might be asking yourself the question what is God preparing for me to do the third one and where I want to key in now going forward in the message is sometimes this kind of separation comes as a result of making a simple decision to do so And that's really the one that is the most difficult. You know, circumstances outside of your control mm, or the design of God, which you don't really understand what he may be doing, all of those things are somewhat mysterious. But God calls us into a place where we decide to be alone. We decide to separate. I love what David said in Psalm 5. He says, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. In the morning. So much in scripture about in the morning. Jesus went out early in the morning. I think the morning is a great time to do that. But it may not work with your schedule. It may not be right for you. It might be in the middle of the night. I've talked to someone recently, a person I really respect, and he said, you know, I wake up super early. I don't sleep as much as I used to sleep. And so it's kind of, you know, and I sometimes go back to sleep, but I just get up, I read. That's my time alone with God. The house is quiet. It's a beautiful time to just rest before the Lord. That's a great thing to do. If you have trouble sleeping, sometimes that's a good thing. Just get up, read scripture, let that be a time alone with God. Early in the morning, oh Lord, you hear my voice. Now a couple things I've learned about this in terms of separating and taking time, and maybe you found this too. If I don't decide to do this, guess what? It doesn't happen. It has to be a willing decision on my part to say I'm going to separate. And if I decide to do this, you know what? It's not easy. Just decide to have a time where you separate from routine and separate from people and just watch the competitors that start happening in your life. The enemy doesn't want us to be alone with God. He doesn't want us to be refueled and strengthen our relationship with God. But when you decide to do this, when I decide to do this, we find out just how good it is. And I'm amazed how we can redeem simple things in our day this way too. You know, you find yourself in the car and you're in a traffic situation and instead of getting all upset and, you know, why don't these guys move and all this kind of thing, why don't you just use that as a time to be with the Lord? Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be better than kind of ranting and raving at people? Or when you're in the, the store and, and uh, there's a line in front of you, why not just take a few contemplative moments to sort of breathe in what's going on around you and ask the Lord to, to bless, bless, you know, I, I call it drive by praying, walk by praying, pray for people that you see in line in front of you, pray for that woman with her little child, pray for, you know, that's going crazy in the store, pray for, just step into the moment and let that be a moment where you seize it and redeem it for the Lord. That's a beautiful thing to do. But so many of us, just look at this as you go out into the culture. If you've got a couple minutes, you're waiting for something, what, what do people do? They pull out their cell phone and they start reading text. They start going through email, news, sports, whatever it is. We don't know how to actually be alone. And that's why in our culture, it, this is really huge. Time to separate, time to get away. We need to do this daily, we need to do this weekly, and we need to do this seasonally in our lives. What I mean by that is we need a daily time with the Lord, we need a weekly time, and this is what we do as we come together and worship, and then we need seasonal times where we actually break away for a day or two or three. And we say, I'm just going to kind of be away from all the routines so that I can draw nearer to the Lord. I've got a, a wonderful friend who, who has that kind of time. They schedule, she and her husband schedule this into their, their, uh, their month where they get time away just to be alone with the Lord. That's a beautiful thing. That needs to be incorporated into our schedules. So we need to be alone. Secondly, if you're taking notes, we need to be quiet. Say that with me. We need to be quiet. This is the discipline of silence, and, and a lot of us are not very good at this at all. And we don't know how to be quiet. We don't know how to eliminate noisy distractions. Some of us always have to have the radio on, always have to have the TV on. I sometimes visit uh, people in the hospital, at homes. There's an elderly gentleman that I stop by frequently, and the, and the TV is always on. It's probably a form of companionship. I get that. But is there ever a time where during the day we turn that off? Sometimes even in a conversation with this gentleman, because he's a little hard of hearing, the TV is up so loud, I am shouting to talk to him. And I feel like saying, turn that off. It's so annoying. And I wonder if the Lord sometimes wants to say to us, turn that off. You're letting so many voices and so many things come into your mind and in your spirit. When do I get to speak to you, says the Lord? When do I get to have your undivided attention? We go to bed with our earbuds in our ears. We wake up. The first thing we do is we click on the TV or listen to the news. Eliminating noisy distractions is important for drawing closer to God. Listen to the psalmist. In fact, let's read these out loud together. Psalm 37, 7. Here we go. Be still before the Lord... And wait patiently for him. How about Psalm 46.10? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The the be still focus here and in other places is another way of saying be quiet. Stop striving. Stop working. Stop moving. Stop. Wait. Listen. Listen. Why is that so hard? But it is. In fact, because it's difficult, I thought I would give us some reasons why. Number one, it's a big challenge for most of us due to our culture, and we're, we are aware of this. Blocking out the sounds and the noises of our culture isn't easy. And the big competitor for most of us these days are those little dark mirrors, our screens, our computers, our tablets. They just occupy us. They just pull us in. I'm suggesting that some of us are so emotionally tired, we don't know how to disconnect. We have what some people have called, this is a new term, disconnectophobia. We don't know how to shut it off. A couple years ago, I read a book, a secular book, but it had so much profound wisdom in it uh, it, it was called Hamlet's Blackberry, William Powers. Maybe you read it. And in his insightful book, he says, he says the result of this connectedness is a super busy life. It's a lot of work to manage all this connectedness the emails, texts, voicemails, the pokes, the prods, the tweets, the alerts, the commands. The comments, the links, the tags, the posts, the photos and videos, the blogs and vlogs, the searches, downloads, uploads, files, folders, feeds, filters, walls and widgets, tags and clouds, usernames, passcodes, the access keys, pop ups and banners, ringtones and vibrations. Just a small sample of what we navigate each day by being connected. Isn't that true? He goes on, and I say, and I quote, Our mobile devices, while harmless and indeed sensible, have become like a security blanket for us. We start thinking it's dangerous to venture out without one as though we can't fend for ourselves. It's nice to have our little digital friend along with us, just in case. In subtle and important ways, however, it changes the nature of our experience. Though a smartphone brings convenience and a sense of security, it takes away the possibility of true separateness. It's a psychic leash, and the mind can feel it tugging. Here's the problem. We've gotten so used to the tug, it's hard to imagine life without it. Well, that's true for me, too. I struggle with this little thing. there, There is such a leash on our lives. Now, one of the disciplines that you might put into practice during Lent is to set up some rules in engaging with God. To leave the cell phone in the purse, pocket, or at home. Walk away and don't check it a few minutes. It's like what we used to say to the armed gunmen, Put the gun down and walk away. <laughs> now we need to be saying that to ourselves. Just put the phone down. Walk away. Time to be quiet. Time to be alone. Truly Quiet. And and I'm not saying that there isn't some beautiful benefits to our tablets and smartphones. I'm glad that I can listen to podcasts and hear great Bible teaching from reputable Bible teachers. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for Bible apps. I've got 87 translations of the Bible on my phone. I'm grateful for... Uh, contemplative devotionals and little things that pop up to remind me to keep my focus on God. There's beautiful, beautiful benefits. I'm not disparaging of the of the technology. I'm saying that the technology should not own us. It's a big challenge for some of us because of the culture, but it's also a big ca- challenge for some of us because we just don't know how to stop talking <laughs> or be around noise. Being quiet means learning not to speak so much. And you know, the desert fathers, you know, 4th century, uh, the monastics, kind of understood that if you're going to have solitude, you've also got to have silence. Now, solitude and silence doesn't make us more spiritual unless we're actually seeking the heart of God. Just like in fasting, if you're not seeking the Lord, you're probably just going to be either grumpy or hungry or both. But you can focus on the Lord in, in a way that is, is positive and good by, by being in solitude and then seeking silence. I like James 1. We know the verse. We'll put it on the screen. Read it with me. Everyone should be quick to listen. Is it there? Let's put up uh, uh, James 1, verse 19. Is it there? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Proverbs ten nineteen. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Isn't that good? Ecclesiastes, the fool multiplies words. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, do not be quick with your mouth, do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. You know, it, it just might be a neat discipline to, to just decide to be quiet I heard about the pastor that decided, you know, he was just too hard, he needed to go to a place to do that. So he went to a monastery, and the, the priest of the monastery said, okay, we'll let you do this. Uh, you cannot speak unless I ask you to speak. And so he was in it for the whole year, didn't say a word. And at the end of the year, the, the priest said, I'm going to give you two words, go. And he said, hard bed, that's what he said. <laughs> the priest said, I'm sorry, we'll work on that. Another year goes by. Comes back. I'll give you two more words. Pastor says, "Cold food." That's really sorry. I'm sorry. We'll we'll work on our food. Third year comes around. Two more words. I quit. <laughs> well, so you might as well. You've been complaining ever since you got here. <laughs> sorry. Just kind of lightening it up a little bit this morning. You know, a lot of us we don't know how to be quiet. We don't know how to just stop talking. But that's part of a discipline that we need if we're going to draw nearer to the Lord. We need to listen for Him, which comes around in the message now to the third very simple point. We need to be alone so that we can be quiet, so that we can, number three, hear God speak. Hear God speak. You know, as you study the Old Testament, one of the refrains you read all through the prophets is this phrase: hear. The word of the Lord. It would be a great little study for yourself to go through any of the prophets and hear how many times that is said. And even when you come to the Gospels, how many times does Jesus say, Let him who has ears, let him hear. The book of Amos tells us in chapter 8, verse 11, that days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine throughout the land. Not a famine for food and a thirst for water, but a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. It is true that we live in a day and age where it's not easy to hear the words of the Lord. Number one, because the word of the Lord is not being spoken, and it's often not even being preached in churches. But it's also true that we're not hearing the word of the Lord because we're not listening. We're not taking time to be quiet before him. Hearing God speak to us results from getting alone and being quiet before him. And hearing God speak to us is important for drawing closer to him. And I want to give you four things that I think are beautiful that come right out of the scripture as we sort of bring all this to a close this morning. The first principle is this. Hearing God speak is where knowing him intimately begins. If you have your Bible and you can turn there quickly, go back to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3. And you might remember that in 1 Samuel 3 we've got little... Samuel, who's a prophet of the Lord, he's a little boy, and he's being raised in the house of Eli with his wicked sons. He's the priest at Shiloh. And this is a mess of a time in Israel's history. And yet, Eli was the priest, and Samuel one night hears the Lord call him, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel gets up and he runs to Eli, and he says, here I am, you called me. He was hearing he thought, the voice of the priest. And Eli said, verse 5, I did not call, go back and lay down. So he went back and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lay down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. That's very significant. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up And went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli said, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there, calling him as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, okay, so here's what the deal is. This is where intimacy with God begins, with discerning the voice of God. When was it that the Lord called you? If you can't remember the time where the Lord was awakened in your heart to hear his voice, can I suggest to you that maybe you've not known him? And the only way you can really get to know the Lord is by hearing his voice and and saying, Lord, speak to me. Here, Here I am. And God may be doing that to some of us here today. God may be calling us into a relationship with him here today, listening right now. Hearing God speak is where knowing him intimately begins. Hearing God speak enables us to follow his voice. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. When you hear the voice of the Lord, you know his voice. And of course, every time you open up this book, you know you're reading from the word of the Lord. And so if when you open this book, when you're alone, when you're quiet and you're saying, Lord, your servant is here, speak. The Lord wants to speak. He wants to give us insight and and help in the circumstances that we're in to give us wisdom to know which direction to take the promptings of his spirit to know how to move and direct and follow the things that he's calling us to hearing god speak is also transformational we know that from romans 10:17 faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of christ it's transformational our lives are not the same once we've heard the voice of God and chosen to follow the voice of God, and that's why around here it's all about life transformation through following Jesus, because, because He's the one to follow, not the voices of the world, not the clamor of the world. And fourthly, hearing God speak is beneficial in every, every way. I'm blown away when I read Psalm 9, 7 through, uh, Psalm 19,7 through 11. And it gives me the benefit of reading scripture because it revives the soul. It makes the wise simple. It gives joy to the heart. It gives light to the eyes. It endures. It is altogether righteous. It is pure as gold and sweet as honey. By keeping these words, God's servants are warned and there is great reward. I mean, just in that one psalm alone, Psalm 19, 7 through 11, we've got a huge list of blessings and benefits. Who wouldn't want that? So if we're going to draw near to God during Lent, can I encourage you to take these next, whatever we have left in this period of time, 30-some days, and decide, okay, there's some media obsession that I have that it'd be just good to put away. I've chosen something. Maybe it's, maybe it's altering your schedule. In the evenings, I'm not checking my, you know, emails. There's times where I'm going to put it away. For the next several weeks as we go through Lent, why not put down the media obsession? Maybe it's TV for you, wasting time in front of the TV. Maybe it's always having something going in your ears. I don't know what it is. And it's, there's freedom here, but just a suggestion. But for a lifelong pursuit, why not incorporate into our lives the discipline of solitude, silence, and scripture reading? And the beautiful thing is, that can start today. And if you've never come to the, a relationship with the living God through Christ, I would encourage you today to not wait another minute Give them your life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Lord Jesus, we admit, I admit, we confess that instead of your voice, so often we have let entertainment or what we call pure convenience, texts, messages, instagrams facebook and the list goes on and on of things that we allow to occupy precious time where we could be with you and we want to say with the psalmist this morning my heart says of you seek his face your face lord i will seek and we recognize lord that apart from the power of your holy spirit we are we are destined to fall over and over in this area. So we call upon your Holy Spirit to quicken us, to fill us, to give us a new sense of passion to be with you. And I ask Jesus that in these next couple of minutes, as we just linger in your presence, for some there would be salvation. For those that know you as their Savior, there would be Reflection, confession, perhaps some simple goal set as we listen for what you're asking us to do. What do you want us to put aside? What do you want us to pursue this week? And by the way, if you're sitting here this morning and you feel like, wow, I don't know what it means to follow Christ, but I sure want to then right here, right now, you can simply say these words. If this is you, just follow in your own prayer to the Lord. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I ask you to wash me clean of all my sins and come into my life. I want to follow you, Lord. I want to hear your voice. And so, Lord, now as we sit before you for these next couple of minutes, Lord, let this be a rich time, your Holy Spirit speaking, encouraging, blessing, convicting, and bringing us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages, or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.